is Mickey Wright, and I want to welcome you to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. I believe success leaves clues, and if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. This podcast allows you to do just that. I've spent my career as an award-winning hairstylist, independent educator, and salon coach who's helped tens of thousands to get more clients and make more money. I was also one of the first African-American owners of a full-service salon and day spa in the country. In short, I love beauty, business, and peeking backstage. If that sounds like you, I invite you to join me each week as I bring you the best and brightest Black artists and entrepreneurs in the beauty industry to share their stories, leave you with tips, tricks, and insights to take your business to the next level, and to take you backstage in their part of the industry. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello, hello. My name is Mickey Wright, and I want to welcome you guys to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. And I want you to strap yourself in tonight because we are going on a ride. So some of you may know that um, I'm from Detroit, and even though I'm from Detroit, I actually went to beauty school in Texas. I took my state board there one day, and I actually moved to the D.C. area the next day, the Washington, D.C. area for anyone who's not in the area. And you may be saying, what in the world? And <laughs> to be fair, I had lived there really briefly while I attended Howard University for a semester. So I knew I liked the vibe and there was a lot of groundbreaking things that were going on. There was actually a great salon there um, that was near campus when I was there and they really slayed hair um, at Natural Motion. And so that salon was like way too rich for my blood as a student. But um, what inspired me to move across the country, I guess you could say again, to start my career with no friends, no family, and definitely no clients, um, that would be the man we're going to talk to tonight. And that's Mr. Floyd Kenyatta. He's the superstar, the legend, and I'm super excited that he's here. And he created this masterpiece of a hairstyle. And um, I, I would show it to you, but it's like, it's a lookbook that I created when I was in beauty school. So it is like falling apart at this point. <laughs> but I posted it the other day, just really clean off the sides and the real full top. And it was just like, mm. and it was truly a masterpiece. Um, it was jaw dropping, um, particularly at the time. It had every element of design in it. It was a precision cut. It was a shortcut, which at a time when most black women were hesitant to cut their hair at all, um, in today's terms, is it was everything. And so, plus every style magazine, you know, that you could find, every issue of Shop Talk magazine, which was the only beauty publication that was for black beauty professionals, featured this man, his styles, his great salon, his Rolls Royce, and all of that had me trek across the country. <laughs> And although it would be actually years before we would actually meet, um, I just wanted to be like in that energy. And so I don't know if you've ever felt that way or not, but if you haven't, don't move because you're about to get a little taste of it in just a few minutes. And before we dive into our conversation, I just want to let you know why I'm here, why I'm so passionate about Beauty Superstars Talk, and particularly the Legends Month, which this is our last interview for the Legends Month, but there are so many more legends that I'm going to figure out a way to interview them all. So um, stay tuned on that front. 
Um, but each week I bring you some of the best and brightest black artists and entrepreneurs in the beauty industry to share their stories and actually take you backstage into their world. My name again is Mickey Wright. And if you're on YouTube with us, I wanna invite you to subscribe and ring the bell so you won't miss an episode. And I actually started Beauty Superstars Talk to give voice to and celebrate black artists who are excelling in the beauty industry and tell stories that are super inspiring, but we often don't get to hear. So I've actually spent my career as an award-winning hairstylist and educator helping thousands of stylists to get more clients and make more money. I'm actually second generation. My mom's a hairstylist and my sister is as well. And um, I actually was one of the first African-American owners of a full service salon and day spa in the country. I'm currently a salon business coach, and you could say that I just love the beauty industry. And so this um, format in terms of beauty superstars talk was actually born out of the unfortunate murder of George Floyd and all the racial tensions that erupted afterwards. Um, it actually quickly spilled into the beauty industry, which after churches is really still one of the most segregated industries in the country. So during that time, it's like I had the, the honor to attend a couple of Zoom calls and get to see and see some people that I knew and others to meet um, of black artists in the industry. And, you know, they were able to share their stories. We were meeting each other. And um, some for some of them, there was a lot of pain in terms of subtle and not so subtle you know, racial incidents that they'd experienced, um, but none of them let it let them stop, let that stop them, um, because you know they were doing great things. And I actually left the meeting just feeling so inspired and with a sense that people just have to hear all of these stories. And so I've actually expanded my platform to provide a safe space for Black artists to tell their own stories. So we're here to inspire, to educate, and actually to heal our industry. And so the legend series, that is something that's super special to me. I think it's so important to know where we've come from and how the business that we love um, got started or got, you know, where it is today. The path was laid out for us um, to honor the people who have laid the path before us and to actually record the history of our industry. Um, this industry, the beauty industry, has provided so much to so many. And I think it's a shame that so many younger stylists don't know a lot of the artists that came before them. And many of those, of course, de devoted their entire lives and careers to helping hairstylists succeed. So there's so much we can learn from them. And it came to me like, even if you wanted to find out, where would you look? Um, we don't have a library. Our history isn't taught in cosmetology or barber schools. So I'm actually grateful for the opportunity to record history and celebrate those whose shoulders we stand on. And so without further ado, I actually want to welcome my guest and I want to share just a little bit about him before we jump into the conversation and um, hearing his story and everything that he has to share with us. So like I said, buckle up. So I'm going to share his bio and then we'll bring him on. Um, Floyd Kenyatta, the world has been a stage for over 50 years. He's recognized to be the most respected name of any Black American hairdresser on a global level that's living today. Over 1 million hairdressers and millions of consumers know the 69-year-old international trendsetter. Floyd has been the main stage artist for Revlon, Clairol, Johnson Products, Dudley, Lamar, or Lamar um, Pivot Point, and Bronner Brothers, L'Oreal, and KMS. He also became the creative director creative artist for the wife of Larry King, Sean Southwick King, and Priscilla Presley of the luxurious hairline. 
Floyd Kenyatta has opened over 120 salons nationwide. So he knows a little bit about that. Um, from the Wilford Academy in 1968 to an honorary doctorate degree in 1978, Floyd has earned his spot as the 2006 legendary icon at the Bronner Brothers um, Award Show. With opening over 120 salons nationwide, 27 of them opening in 1981. Wow. Um, Floyd has become the expert at creating and inventing tools and products for the beauty industry. Floyd's co-founded other salon outlets like New Age Salon Distributors, Fingertip Salons, uh, Kenoro, uh, Hair Care Systems, Kenta Designs, Club Zero, Geodesics Tools, and ARCS, Arc Salon, Las Vegas Mandalay Bay Resort. Um, Floyd has created the USA um, Black Olympics in 1988. Woohoo! Um, the Black Hair Olympics first launched in Washington, D.C. and then expanded to St. Thomas the next year. And Floyd Kenyatta became the global ambassador for the $1 billion a year hair care company, John Paul Mitchell Systems, in 1989. For over 27 years, Floyd played a major role in the development of the textured products division that was launched to expand the Paul Mitchell market share. For 15 of those years, Floyd trained over 450 educators per year. With the John Paul Mitchell Systems brand, Floyd Kenyatta became the first Black artist to teach, perform um, Black, African, Caucasians at the same theater in Cape Town, Africa, South Africa, excuse me. Um, as global ambassador of John Paul Mitchell Systems, Floyd's main role was as a great artist on many main stages to launch the Paul Mitchell brands in San Paulo, Brazil, Tokyo, Japan, Germany, Italy, Poland, Canada, Cape Town, South Africa, the USA, London, England, Spain, France, West Indies, St. Thomas, Puerto Rico, Nassau, Bahamas, St. Martins, Jamaica, Trinidad, St. John's, Barbados, and many more countries. So when we say he's global, he's global. Um, being an entrepreneur for over 50 years has given Floyd the opportunity to become a distributor for three top international beauty salon furniture companies, Sabi Italy, Kiala in the Netherlands, and AP Chair Company in China. Floyd Kenyatta currently, um, current companies and latest brands are FK Black, Floyd Kenyatta, GOD6 Tools, The Bar, Kenta Designs, and Karam Groups, and Pop-Up Suites. So, woo, <laughs> I'm tired of <laughs> reading that bye. <laughs> So with all of that, I want to welcome you, Mr. Floyd Kenyatta. So we got, <laughs> I need to get like a clapping thing that comes on. <laughs> so welcome. Well, thank you very much. Um, well done. Your information is still very much incomplete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it would take you maybe a week just to read all of my uh, accomplishments. Right, right. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um it's really great to be your guest tonight. And uh, one of my uh, colleagues said, Floyd, an hour is too long. You need 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, I could talk for two weeks and still can't get enough. Right. <laughs> so, but um, <clears throat> the game is good. And I, I guess to start, we do have a few um, talk points as far as just giving you a little bit more insight on where I started, how I started, why I started. Uh -huh. And actually, um, I'll be 72 in June. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. 
And I finished beauty school in New York City in um, 1969. Okay. Okay. And it took me two years to complete beauty school, you know. So um, after beauty school, Wilfrid Academy, New York City, I moved to Baltimore uh, for a couple of years. And in Baltimore, I actually had like nine different jobs in one year. Uh, it was a very hard city to, um, to just get started in. But what's so crazy about geographics is in New York, I had trophies. I mean, I felt like I had it going on. Mm -hmm. And I went to Baltimore and I realized I didn't have nothing going on. <laughs> okay. And after being very much unsuccessful in Baltimore, I decided to, um, I thought about going to Atlanta. Mm. And I did. I visited Atlanta and I realized there that I was not a drop in the bucket, had nothing going for me in spite of my trophies. Okay. So then I tried my hometown, North Carolina, mm -hmm. and connected with Dudley. Okay. And um, Joe Dudley was very inspiring to me mm -hmm. because um, Mr. Dudley was the guy, the first black gentleman to expose me to a very strong culture from a black entrepreneur. Mm. And he turned me on to Think and Grow Rich when I was only like 22, 23 years old, mm -hmm. you know. And Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill has been my Bible um, for the last 50 years. Okay. And for, okay. for anyone who doesn't know, I hate to interrupt you, but it's a book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. This is my poor tattered copy, so it's like, okay. I'm a fan okay. as well. <laughs> yes. So, wow. um, so trying to get started in this journey of beauty, I mean, it's really quite challenging because even after you've been in the industry for 10 years, you don't necessarily have a clue okay. how to really play this game. You know, so as I began to work in New York, Maryland, North Carolina, every month, I would make that cycle. It began okay. to give me a lot of respect for geographics. Okay, so tell us again, which cities and states? Okay, I was out in one month, every month, uh -huh. New York City, I would commute. Okay. Columbia, Maryland. Okay. And North Carolina. Got it. Okay. So after about three years of this, I realized that, you know what? In your beginning, the early stages, your focus must be on continuous education, mm -hmm. not money. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the more educated you are in understanding that the beauty business that people think is beauty business is really people business. Mm. And the people that you see that go 100% in their technical skills will probably be most likely be in the lesser amount of people to get rich. 
because their focus is on the artistic part of it instead of the business part of it. Being successful in playing this game is to first understand that out of 100%, only 20% of being successful is the hair, the technical the beauty part. So that's where um, you have to balance off with understanding um, basic business, okay? Management, uh, time management, space management, people management, cost per square foot, pro uh, profit per square foot, um, basic people skills. I mean, you can go on and on with mm -hmm. all the components it takes for understanding basic business. And that's why you see a lot of people come into this industry that have the 2,000 and 3,000 salons. They are making most of the money and, and they are not necessarily hairdressers, but they are people who understand that calculator and the dollar, you know? Mm -hmm. So right. um, I began to focus on, I, I use hair, like I was known for my haircutting and I cut well, not the best stylist. Sometimes I would give the customer the comb and say, hey, you can finish it you know, <laughs> because I'm not a natural born comber. <laughs> you know okay <laughs> you know i can i can cut and i can just work magic with all of those things but i found that when your cut is really amazing mm -hmm. you don't have to do much of anything else for you to be just incredible with your the finished product you know mm -hmm. so as i began to um to really study all of those components um it it, it gave me a push to travel more, to see okay. more, um, to try to find out well, who am I, where do I need to be, um, all the way down to your name, Mickey. Okay. okay. I mean, I, like everybody else out of beauty school, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm country, I'm from North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing I did, I began to call myself Dr. Hare. Okay. okay. <laughs> which, rep, which represent about half of the black men in America who do hair. Dr. Hare, okay, and that didn't cut it. Then I called myself Mr. Al, then I called myself Mr. Floyd, you know. Okay. And all of that is trying to find some kind of identity. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across a novel. It was about, about an African who was a hitman in the mafia. And okay. the name of the book was Kenyatta's Last Hit. Okay. So I said, you know what? This this got to be a bad dude, okay? <laughs> so, so I was just intrigued because I never knew that you could be black or African and in the mafia, you know. So mm -hmm. that was when I said, you know what? I'm going to change my name professionally to Floyd Kenyatta. Okay. Then trying to find a power within the name. I began to do research and I, I realized that, um, that Ken um, in Swahili, I believe it meant the creator. Mm -hmm. And okay. Kenyatta in certain uh, parts of Africa was black warrior. Mm -hmm. okay. that, that's kind of sound like me, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I felt good with the impact of the name. But when I changed my name to Floyd Kenyatta, the ring was so cool, my income actually doubled. 
Okay. My, my skills didn't improve, but simply by changing my name, it had a different swag and my income was higher. Powerful. Okay. Um, through, so throughout this journey and finding myself, uh, Wilfred Academy was basically a, I guess, basically it was only two black people in the school out of 1,100. And oh. that was Floyd Kenyatta and a gentleman named Torain. Mm -hmm. Okay. And with me being a country boy moving to New York, uh, Torain actually took me by the hand as a little brother and mm -hmm. he taught me the streets. He taught okay. me how to understand surviving in the streets, you know. And man, he, um, he was really a great um, inspiration to me mm -hmm. because um, he would take me to Macy's and Gimbel's and we would work in the wig department and mm -hmm. we would take a $6 wig, uh, cut it and style it and sell it for $100, $200 to the women, take mm -hmm. the same wig and razor cut it and turn it into a man's wig. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so being right out of beauty school, that was um, was a big plus for me, you mm -hmm. know, with my getting into the hair thing, not still not really into a salon. Another amazing experience happened to me during my beauty school years and right in New York, I met a guy named Mr. Mack on 72nd Street, Midtown, Manhattan. And Mr. Mack was 55 years old when he went to beauty school. Mm -hmm. And that blew me away. I'm like, wait a minute. He was 55 when he went to beauty school. The guy was cool as silk. <laughs> the, the guy had about five Latino ladies working as his assistants. Mm -hmm. Every head of hair he cut and combed. And that opened my eyes because it said, you know what? In this game, if you are good, even if you don't have a staff, you can still make hundreds of thousands of dollars if you understand how to develop a system, okay? So, and all of this is developing your skills to understand that whole, the whole thing of business management and hitting that mark that you wanna, that you wanna hit. So, but Mr. Mack was an alcoholic and he would cut them, put them on the dryer, go to the bar, come back loaded. Um, but he just blew me away and he inspired me to never be insecure. So I have throughout my life, I've never been insecure about mm -hmm. the customer or anything because I understand uh, how large the market is and how uh, you, when you're young, you can have young clients and they can kind of get older with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you know, but I haven't worked in the salon since 1981. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I have still did the magazines, the videos, and all of those things that go along with the hair industry. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I would like to say that some of the greatest moments of my life, number one, was when I had a chance to meet Vidal Sassoon and to become a friend. Mm -hmm. And it was just awesome that that I was able to meet the man 
and go to his house in California, sit out at the pool, have a conversation, and just talk like two guys. You mm-hmm. know? And I remember um, when his he had his book signing at the Midwest Show in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was walking through, and he had like 200 people in line right. <laughs> waiting for him to autograph the book. So I'm walking through and he spotted me and he stopped everything to come over to give me a hug. Mm. And that's a great feeling when you have one of the greatest men in the history of the earth in the beauty (laughs) industry just acknowledge you as you begin to just show up and walk through. Mm -hmm. Um, When I go to the Mondial, uh, which is one of the, the biggest hair show in Paris, I remember going there and just to go to the show and walking through and everybody's speaking French. And here's a guy on the big stage and he's talking in French and he stopped and said, Floyd Kenyatta, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, you know, I must, I must be somebody. <laughs> you know? Okay. But you know, um, very few people today realize that you have different generations of really icons of people that were strong, especially in the black beauty industry. Mm-hmm. And there are people like Tom Hayden, Jim Williams, Olive Benson. Um, those guys have passed on for quite mm-hmm. some time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young people today, I find, don't even know who Vidal Sassoon is, sadly mm-hmm. to say, but yeah. they just, just, it's another generation. They don't know. Okay. But, and trying to create an image identity with yourself, um, I actually had to travel the world to search for other Black people mm-hmm. okay, that I could talk to and compare myself to just so I can rate myself. Because sometimes on a scale of one to 10, you don't know where you are. You mm-hmm. really don't. You know, you can, your ego can say you are <laughs> number 10. Right. <laughs> but you don't know until you go and you actually meet other people in other country and evaluate. Uh, it was like self-evaluation. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I began to, to do. And I t- went everywhere. You know, if it was anybody that I could hear in any country, anywhere in the world that's supposed to be great, I went to meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, And as I went out there, I looked at their salon and I said, it's not better than my salon. Mm-hmm. I looked around. I said, they don't have more than I do, you mm-hmm. know? And I looked at their skills and I said, they are not better. So once I finished evaluating myself on a global level, when I came back to America, that was when I stepped on the plateau with the greats, the Olive Benson, the Tom mm-hmm. Hayden, the Jim Williams, the well, mm-hmm. John Atchison and some of those guys was really a few years behind me. So I couldn't compare myself to them at that time, okay? But that was when I put myself next to them. People don't walk up to you and grab you by the hand and say, you know what, you're one of us. You have to fight for that spot, you know? And when I stepped up there at Browner Brothers and different shows, they would turn around and look at me. It's like, where where is he coming from? (laughs) You know, what make him think? He can be here with us, you know. So you kind of get that rejection, you know. But it's like 
I have a point to prove, and my point is different than yours, because right. you have the fabulous dresses, the fabulous hair, and you are, are more articulate. You know, you are great in their own way. But you know what my best friend is, Nikki? What's that? The calculator. All right. The calculator, okay? So knowing that, um, and I like challenges. Sometimes when you, if you know you want to be great, you have to do something very special, okay? Mm -hmm. You have to do something that other people um, have never attempted before, don't even know they should try it, okay? Right. And I have done it many times, and every time it helped give you that niche that you're looking for. So I remember um, in about five years after beauty school, I finished beauty school in 69, in the mid-70s, it was taboo to use heat on chemical relaxed hair. Mm -hmm. Okay, you it was you only did roller sets, but mm -hmm. never a pressing comb after relaxer. You didn't even blow dry after relaxer. Mm -hmm. But I had a chance in the Columbia Mall at Hairmasters to work with a um, a guy from Turkey, and he they had curly hair. And I saw the guy blow drying, brown brushing, and flat iron textured hair. Mm -hmm. And I said, that, that was the first time my eyes began to open. And I said, okay, I have been to London. I have met Satsum. My precision haircutting was tight. But once I incorporated precision haircutting mm -hmm. with chemical relaxed hair that was blow dried, and 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 curled with the iron or, or anything like that. Now every head that I touch, mm -hmm. people knew you had a floor Kenyatta cut because when the wind blows, your mm -hmm. hair moves. Okay, mm -hmm. and it the hair would it had shapes. The hair would move. It would flow. And I created. I had a little slogan that I would say to ladies. I reach over in the salon and say, "Touch me, feel me, smell me, and take me home to play." You know, <laughs> so so they loved it, you know. And right. although I would charge about fifty dollars extra for those lines, but it's okay. part of the presentation, you know. Right. So, um, so um, I have had fun the entire journey since 1969. People see me come, they say, "Here you come again, grinning and smiling." Yeah. Okay, because it's uh, it's happy. And it's fun, but it's a game. Okay. It's a professional game. I look at a lot of people and I say, you know what? I I don't care to have you around me. Well, why do you say that? You're too serious. Uh -uh. Okay. You're about to OD on being professional. <laughs> okay. So let's soften up. Uh, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> okay. It's like you are so professional that it doesn't even smell right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, understand the business that you're in, understanding what things we do as artists to attract the client, to get the client in, and why we do those things, okay? Um, as we begin to incorporate understanding education to understanding um, how to dress. Mm -hmm. okay? And it's like, what I love about Paul Mitchell culture is 
um, it's simple, you know, hey, everybody wear black. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's nothing to for you to think about in the morning except finding something clean black to put on. Right. Okay, it's, it's keeps easy to get dressed, easy to get going, and you begin to represent something. And a lot of our companies nowadays, uh, back in the past, they would say, you know what, we kind of we're kind of officially black as mm -hmm. far as dress, you know. Right. And all of this is making you stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, just to name, um, I remember I did a London Beauty Festival. Mm -hmm. And John Atchison, um, what was his name? It was John Atchison, James Harris, mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. Barry Fletcher, okay? Um, Pat Williams. Pat Grant Williams, yeah, uh, and Pat uh, Grant, a legend in her own way. She right. took her apprenticeship under me, but you know, I went to London to be in the London Beauty Festival, and I carried one hundred and ten people with me from America. Mm, wow! As I just named, they went to be on my team. Nice, and I mean, it was like a beautiful thing to see guys like that who are already great yeah still a team supporter and right. we don't really we are not taught how to support each other like that we, mm -hmm. our egos can be so big that everything about us is to say well um you know i'm i'm you know i'm better than that uh that's not that good but they they the team support that i have gotten throughout my life have been phenomenal you yeah. know so I get it and I give it, you know. Um, so, uh, yes. I don't want to interrupt your flow, but it's like, yeah. I just want to break a few things down. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. one with um, the dress and the professionalism in the salon, what are your thoughts with, you know, things that we need to do and incorporate to, you know, take us to that Floyd Kenyatta level? Well, you know, uh, with your, millennials, your Gen Zs, there are a lot of things that they simply have never been exposed to and do not understand. Mm -hmm. And they all want their own identity. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize, and I guess no one have told them, it's like, you know what? If you want to be rich, you have to have a system. You have to have a culture. Okay? Right. And I don't care if it's Chipotle's or McDonald's or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. They have some kind of dress code they have something to identify that you're part of the team, the group, you have a certain image to, to follow. And you must incorporate that um, if you are really headed towards big success. Mm -hmm. If you want to just stay a mom and pop shop, fine, you know, and do your one, two staff thing and do it your way. But that's just a way for you to eat. You will never get rich. Um, as far as playing the numbers game, you got to go back to the calculator for that. Okay. So I do believe in dress code. I do believe, I don't believe in cherry picking products. Okay. okay. Because when you walk into a salon, one of the first things to me, I could scan a salon in three seconds and say, this salon is good, not that good, faking it. Three seconds, I can walk in and basically kind of out, you know. Because there are certain things that set it off as far as uh, your flow, your system. One yeah. look at the back bar can tell you everything. 
Okay, because you, go, you see 30, 40 different products and mm -hmm. you see no kind of system, you know. Mm -hmm. We created something, um, as you can see in the background, I'm broadcasting from uh, one of my uh, business that I have with my partner, uh, Debbie uh, Moody, and we launched something called Pop-Up Suites. Mm -hmm. And our system, our flow is phenomenal, you know, because everything... Um, it's a system, you know, and it doesn't have to be a brand. It doesn't have to be a logo. Um, we, you have your salon plazas, salon suites, fitness mm -hmm. suites, and all of those things, right? And they are great. They are making money. It's wonderful, great opportunity. But when you come out of beauty school, you go right into a place like that, mm -hmm. you find yourself making $10 more profit every week but you are not exposed to a system. And I try to tell people, it's like, listen, when you come out of school, don't get so caught up into how much money you can make. Mm -hmm. Try to find someone that offer continuous education. Yes. Um, Sometimes I ask people the question, if you have two salons and one salon is paying 35% commission and another one is paying 65% commission, which one would you work it for? And both salons are fabulous. Everybody would say, I would go to the salon and pay the 65% commission. Mm -hmm. I said, no. I said, no. And they said, well, why is that? I said, because if you know anything about the salon business, the average net profit for a beauty salon is only 5 to 6%. Mm -hmm. Okay? With the average uh, net profit being 5 to 6%, if someone is paying 65% uh, commission, it's impossible for that operation to be profitable at the end of the year. Right. The question is, how long can they stay afloat before they realize that they can't stay afloat anymore? So basically, the salon is paying you 35% commission. You look at them and say, man, they're robbing us blind. And I said, they are making money. And if you go there, and if you stay there, and if you learn that system, now you have something to duplicate when you do your own thing because they are structured to make profit, right? okay? It's understanding the numbers and getting into the numbers. And my relationship with Paul Mitchell have given me a chance to, as global ambassador for Paul Mitchell, it put me in a position to be that middle guy, the guy that's between the factory and the distributor, the distributor and the salon, the salon and the staff. So I can bridge that gap with all of those components. Um, I remember when I was in beauty school, Paul had a salon, I think it was called Super, Super, Super Hair or something like that. And I remember going to visit Paul's salon. I never realized that I would really meet him years later, but I had a chance to uh, represent the United States of America and London, England at the um, alternative hair show. Mm. So 5,000 people in the audience and that moment they introduced all the teams, they said, Floyd Kenyatta, USA. Well, I did not realize that Paul Mitchell, was, Paul who was still alive and John Paul, who was his business partner and co-founder of the company um, that they were in the audience. Mm. So after this show, they connected with me and they were like, okay. they said, Paul said, Floyd, 
when we heard a black guy represent America, we said, you know, we need to talk to that guy. <laughs> now, they were doing 65 million at that time. Yeah. Okay. So um, they called me, um, John Paul said, hey, Floyd, um, would you mind coming to Beverly Hills um, to go to dinner, to go to lunch? And, and I said, sure, you know, we'd like to talk to you. And they flew me out there, limousine picked me up. We went to La Dome restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. The meeting lasted about two hours. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Floyd, um, we're doing $65 million. We do not have no black educators, no black salons, um, nothing, not just zero, just only uh, seven products and not diverse enough. And they asked me would I test the product and give them some feedback. I said, yeah. They sent me the product, I tested the product. I said, your products are wonderful if the hair is healthy, straight, um, it's wonderful. But if it's kinky, dry, dull, brittle, damaged, it, he, they said, no one never told us that before. And uh, they asked me would I help them uh, develop their product line to make it more diverse, and I agreed. Mm -hmm. So um, I worked with a Dr. DeSalvo, and we worked to create the Relaxer Foam and Pomade Super Strengthener Seal and Shine, um, you know, just several products that mm -hmm. was more suitable for texture to hair. And that was how I got that niche of Global Ambassador, okay? And, and even going back, and this was uh, 1989, Mm -hmm. Okay. So going back to 1989, and but when I met with them, I had my own product line. Okay, yeah. but I also had um, I had one Rolls Royce uh, when I met with them. Mm -hmm. And you know, you ever heard the saying that when you got it, you can get it? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, so, but when I joined the company, I did not come on board as an employee. I came mm -hmm. on board a partner. Mm -hmm. So um, I was able to get 5% um, from the, um, as royalties on the products that I have created. But mm -hmm. even back in 18 and 1989, even then when I came on board, I was able to have a base salary of $120,000. Okay. And nice. so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. And so yeah. you're able to travel the world, you're able to go to other countries, educate. And one philosophy that I created during that time was, um, and because there was a barrier there, black and white. And mm -hmm. with that barrier, my first challenge was to take non-black people to remove that barrier of um, black hair, white hair, white hair, black hair, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I told everybody, it's like, no, everybody needs to be recertified. Okay, mm -hmm. hair is not black or white. It's right. kinky, curly, wavy, or straight, you okay. know? And we use that to help grow the product and the company from 65 million to $1 billion. Mm -hmm. So to actually be in the nucleus of that movement, uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I can I can call myself an icon yes. because it was a power move. And that's something else that I can add to me is that that's outstanding that I was able to accomplish. 
Now, um, back in the 80s, you said Black Hair Olympus 1988, but Black Hair Olympus was really started in 1980. I know my resume said 88, not your fault. Right. But um, 1980, I started Black Hair Olympus. What motivated me to start Black Hair Olympus is because they would not let any Blacks be on the U.S. Olympic team. Okay, so I said, okay, I start, we'll start our own Olympics, okay? So I went and got an attorney to use the fist, to use the, the rings. I had to modify. They had four rings. I made five, you okay. know, but legally, legal-wise, I pulled it off. Uh -huh. And that Black Hair Olympic thing was amazing because when I look at people who think they are great, what what made people hairdressers think they were great back in the day was you go into the salon and you'll see 20, 30, 40 trophies on all the shelves mm -hmm. of all the competitions that they have entered. Mm -hmm. And my whole, in my entire life, I never um, been in but two competitions and I never won but two trophies. Okay. And both of them was by default. <laughs> 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 so basically, they had three categories, three trophies, but it went with three people competing. So I had okay. to get Okay. <laughs> you were going to get one, right? I to get one, you know. But so I'm going back to the calculator. So calculated win. Right, okay. right. <laughs> okay. So when, as I tried to inspire and talk to young people, it's like, okay, back in, back in the day, you had the trophies that say you're all of that. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, they are talking about how many followers and how many likes you have, and you got your million, you think your chest is out, you think you're all of that. Right. Okay, and I'm looking at you like, hey, you're not, okay? The reason you're not is because you can go to any bank and show them your one million likes or followers, right. and they're <laughs> not gonna give you one dollar <laughs> based on your likes and your followers. It's not gonna happen, buddy, okay? Right. So if you remember, um, my culture, where I came from in the Washington, D.C. area, man, we had five or six hairdressers, black and white, rolling around in Rolls Rosses and Ferraris and yachts and mansions. And it's like, you know what? We're players for real, <laughs> okay? Because your real estate, how much territory, how many square feet you control is what measure how big you are. You mm -hmm. know, you got um, how many salons, how many square feet, how many employees, you know, and what you can look like on paper. Mm -hmm. So I tried to tell people today, I said, you want to be a millionaire? The first step to it is paper. Mm -hmm. And be like, huh? It's on paper. Because that's what the banks want to see. How do your paper look? You know, mm -hmm. so it's a numbers game. You got to play the numbers game. You're trying to open one salon, two salons, three salons, you're not going to get rich. You'll make a living, but it's not going to happen. So mm -hmm. In 1980, when Black Enterprise did Battle of the Beauticians, hmm. um, and they, you know, John Atchison, uh, Olive Benson, they went, Tom Hayden, they went through the group. It was only about five of us. Hmm. Um, I was able to come in number one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't because I was, matter of fact, all of them was better hairdressers than me, all of them. Okay. But I went back to the calculator. Mm -hmm. I had, um, they had one salon, two salons. I had five salons. 
Okay. So even back in the eighties, I was doing like one point five million from the five salons. Okay. Right. So um, I was bigger on paper, better on paper. So once that article hit, Black Enterprise hit one month. Essence Magazine hit the next month. Okay, uh -huh. nineteen eighty. 1981, uh, based on the exposure that I got by coming in as number one, it really put me in a position that I opened 27 salons mm. in 1981, one year. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had developed a system. Right. So, um, that was during the Jerry Curl boom. Mm -hmm. So during the Jerry Curl boom, everybody was doing Jerry Curls per se for um hundred and ninety dollars two hundred and twenty dollars mm. and i came in at twenty seven dollars and fifty cents okay okay so at twenty seven dollars and fifty cents and you got everything if you wanted to curl you wanted color or you wanted cut it was like going to golden corral you can eat <laughs> out. okay so you can come and get any service we have you never have to worry about um, you know, the pressure of not having enough money for your service. Mm -hmm. We did it, okay? And based on that system, I was able to train people to be Jerry Curl, per se, experts in like four days. Mm -hmm. So I had 18 and 19 year old kids uh, booking $2,000 a week back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. So I, I look, I mean, I'm looking around today and it's like, you know what? Oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not that impressed. Right, <laughs> you know? right. But because I know what making money have been from years back. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's all right. based on your system. Okay. So, um, and it was pretty easy. Everybody had to book, they could book up to 10 clients a day, each person. Okay. okay, but at twenty seven fifty, that's two hundred seven dollars and fifty cents. Okay, it's it's it was kind of easy, you know. So, well, I remember when my daughter was born, man, I had like a hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash in a safe deposit box. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I came from North Carolina. My house didn't have running water or yep. bathroom. You know, the toilet was like down the road. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> when you grow up like that and you understand. What the dollar is really about, how to respect that dollar, how to treat that dollar. Um, if I have $10,000, I can outperform the guy with 100000 That's because if I have to go to China to make that dollar work for me mm -hmm. 10 times greater, I'm willing to do that. Okay. So all of those components began to build up. From Black Hair Olympics, what was history making with Black Hair Olympics was when you competed for back, Black Hair Olympics, you did not just do that head of hair and that model and let them look fabulous. Mm -hmm. I felt that was a weak criteria mm -hmm. because if you have trophies and you do beautiful hair, that doesn't mean that you have the ability to hold an audience of 5,000 people with your mouth, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. and your knowledge. Right. So with Black Hair Olympics, we created a criteria that said um, you have um, two to three minutes to speak on chemistry, uh -huh. you had two to three minutes to speak on motivation, and then you had two to three minutes to present your model. Okay. So every year we had five winners, 
And mm -hmm. every year we would add, come out with a new team of five people. Well, after five years, I had five teams. Okay. Black Hair Olympics. Now, what, what was mind blowing that gave me another niche in my career was IBS New York. They had uh, French Perm, New Era Lamar, um, Brown Brothers, California Curl. I had all of these companies that was actually um, had made a stage. Okay. Five teams on five different companies' team. Oh. All of them was Floyd Kenyatta. Got it. Okay. Where other people would like to say, oh, I'm with this company. You're with that company. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I never played the game like that because I realized that those companies are all about the dollars. Right. They're not after who, who do the best hair. They right. want to know what your sales are, what kind of right. audience you have. Can you hold the audience? So my style is totally out of the box, probably from anybody else that you would talk to that's playing the hair game. Okay. So understanding the manufacturing, what they are after, and um, uh, what their company have to do in order for them to grow, I understand that very well. So that's why I've had longevity and a relationship with the right people at the mm -hmm. right places that could keep me in the game even beyond my grave, per se. Okay. Okay. But it's all just playing the game. Yeah. Well, you play it well. <laughs> Thank you. You um, play it well. Uh, let's see. My yeah. uh, international travel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Import, export research development okay. okay um when i did the for curls only um operation okay so i had fingertips fingertips today uh fingertips lakita salon and for curls only okay. well by the for curls only being the curl change uh chain another thing that taught me a lot was all the people that partner with me with the for curls only operations and the fingertips operations, the people that were hairdressers, they would, um, let's say, try to change my formula. Mm, the okay. non-hairdresser right. would only follow the formula. Okay. So the, the non-hairdressers that had my salons would make $100,000 more than the hairdressers that had the salon. Okay. So all right. of this began to teach you a lot about people and why, how important it is not to try to fix something that's not broken, mm -hmm. you know? And, but, but this is still helping me be sharper in developing my people skills. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Um, have the numbers tremendously really just grow incredibly to the top. Um, another thing is hairdressers today in the past, they have a way of, 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 of their ego telling them that the salon can't make it without them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they um, put the salon, um, what they are doing for the salon. And I find that people that, they don't realize, I said, listen, let me explain something to you. To build out a salon could cost, I mean, back in my day, I was spending 70000 
now 100,000, 200,000 to build out. Mm -hmm. You come into the location and you think just your booking uh, is making somebody rich. It's, it's not. The investment that's there, it has to be tremendous just for you to have a beautiful environment to work from, you know. Right. So there's so much education that needs to go into teaching people to respect the system, to um, to really desire to take an internship and an apprenticeship, um, to understand that who to even listen to. You know, right. like you said, well, you know, I'm going to take this class. I'm going to take that class. I'm like, wow. Oh, well, you know, they, their class is on how to be a millionaire. I said, but they never made a million dollars. You know, it's like, how can you tell me that you're going to go study from somebody that's going to teach you how to make millions and they have never made a million. Yeah. They have nothing to back up to say you have made millions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you let come into your, your ear because it's, it's not necessarily for real. It doesn't calculate. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things I want to ask you. <laughs> we're good. We have what about 20 more minutes, 15 more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Um, so many things have stood out to me. And if you guys have questions, I see everybody rolling through here. It's like when you were talking about uh, like meeting with um, John Paul and, and Paul Mitchell and all of that, there was nobody writing anything on these comments. I think I wrote this glue. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so one thing, it's like you mentioned the stable um, when we were having a conversation. Tell us yeah. about that concept and, okay. and how that fits into what you're sharing yeah. with us tonight. Well, you know, very few people know, and it might be an old school word, a word but very few people understand what, what we're talking about when we say stable. And mm -hmm. it's really like a horse stable, okay? okay. But um, let me go back to the heartbeat of, of just about all of it, um, going back to London. And okay. that was a guy named Renato Bernays. Mm -hmm. And Renato Bernays was the hairdresser to the Queen of England. Okay. And he actually created Crazy Color. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he had something called Rainbow University, where all of the British hairdressers would go to his university. And every week, every month, they in a little auditorium and they're doing hair color. And mm -hmm. then that's when I had a chance to bond with uh, Annie Humphrey, Tim Hartley, mm -hmm. uh, Trevor Sorby, mm -hmm. Urban Russ, Rita Worth, the greatest minds, greatest hairdressers, the millionaires of the centuries. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to just be a friend and sit next to them when they were climbing the ladder. Mm -hmm. And so, I began to become a part of the Rimbo culture. Okay. So the Rimbo stable was really before the Vidal Sassoon stable. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, now, once because once you get become the master of hair color, then you had to get the cuts. So it's the color, then it was Sassoon. Okay. Okay. And the two, those two guys are like the the godfather of all of this mm -hmm. even when we look at something like the afro mm -hmm. okay and we know the afro was probably since slavery <laughs> but the afro 
did not become a trend until Vidal Sassoon cut it. Oh, wow. Okay. Because Sassoon studied art mm -hmm. and sculpture, and, and he would go to museums and study art. So mm -hmm. when you see those asymmetric and geometric shapes, that's Sassoon. And what made Sassoon was those lines, that mm -hmm. precision, that execution, you know. So, right. um, and as you go back through history and you begin to research natural hair, texture hair, Afro, it started with Sassoon. Mm. Okay. Um, I have to throw this out there because I know a very few people don't know this. The first documented hairdresser in America was a black guy, and his name was Pierre Toussaint. Mm, okay. And, and he was from Haiti. You yeah. Know? Okay. And so, just to help people kind of know more about history, they should go Google Pierre Toussaint, okay, okay uh, hairdresser, and it's very impressive just to know some of our roots mm -hmm. as far as as far as uh my position with paul mitchell um i was determined to show a white company that black people black hairdressers can be classy can be honorable can be talented beyond their expectations mm -hmm. And that was what I did, you mm -hmm. know, for 27 active years. Right. And uh, John Paul trusted me enough to send me to Hair World in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. 100,000 Japanese. I was the only black artist at the entire show. <laughs> I carried two black models and I had five Japanese models. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, on stage with the chat with Gene Bra, Robert Cromans, and Forza, and I was able to stand neck to neck. They sent me to Berlin, Germany, mm -hmm. with three thousand Germans as the main artists, and yep. and the only—I mean, it was my show—and mm -hmm. I had to have a translator through this entire process. Well, all of this is possible based on the fact that my philosophy is: hair is not black or white. It's kinky, right. curly, wave or straight. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was in um, Bologna at Cosmoprof, just walking through, mm -hmm. and I met walk, I met John Paul and Eloise walking through, and he said, hey, Floyd, I didn't know you were going to be here. I said, yeah, I know I'm going to come every year. I'm on my, my budget, you know. I know I'm going to come every year. He said, well, I have my private jet. Uh, we're going to jump over to Warsaw, Poland, to launch our distributor there. And right. Stephanie and Robert Cromie and the team are flying in. And, um, and uh, you know, you want to hang out with us? I'm like, sure, you know. So <laughs> got up that morning, 6 o'clock, went to the jet, two-and-a-half-hour flight over to Poland, got to Poland, the plane landed. And it was about 200 college kids trying to clear customs. The distributors, they met us at the jet. They they rushed us past all the kids. I'm like, wow, felt like royalty, you know. Right. We went past the line. When we got through custom, the guy said, John Paul, we have bad news. I said, what? He said, what? Um, he said, your team is stuck in Amsterdam. We got 300 models 
that have been waiting four hours. That was the day of the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the day of the show, not model call. That was a model called the day of the show. No team. At this, at this point, everybody look, look at the black guy. Hey, okay. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God we have Floyd Kenyatta. <laughs> so so um, they rushed over to the model call. I picked out 30 models out of the 300. Mm-hmm. They had a translator. Nobody spoke English. Rushed them over to the salon. I prepped the hair. The show started at um, 6.30, 5.30. I had everybody prepped, dressed, and ready for showtime. Wow. <laughs> he looked at me. He said, you know, Floyd, now I understand why you're the global ambassador and why we pay you $100,000, 120000 Okay? Right. You, have to, you have to earn it. You have to deliver. Um, right. I right. love a challenge. Um, I have zero fear as far as a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know what? If you want some a man that can operate under pressure, I'm that guy. Okay. Everybody else is like, yeah, I take it. You know, <laughs> I do it. You know, pulling off the impossible is it's a great it's it's great to be offered the opportunity to do the impossible. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, so I, I strive off of it. Wow. Um, I'm telling you, I can go on and on for months and years <laughs> because there's so much to share. And I love sharing. I love giving back. Um, I welcome the people that I want to approach me now are the people who are hungry to become rich mm-hmm. and successful. And they understand that you it's too many hats for you to wear alone. Okay, right. that you got to put that team together. You have to put that masterminded group together, mm-hmm. okay, in order to um, to make that journey fun and easier. You know, right. so right. Um, I, um, I I I love it. One lady that I have to mention, um, I met a young lady. She was twenty five years old, and her name is Debbie Moody. Okay, mm-hmm. and Debbie um, has been a partner and friend now for twenty six years. Wow. When I met her, she was working at a cleaners, a dry cleaners. Mm-hmm. I liked her energy. I liked her smile. I took her under my wings and I taught her the business on a global level. Mm-hmm. Okay, because when you can when you can show your product, you know, um, I I have invested almost too many years in, okay, but when I look back, I can say, incredible, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Because for 22 years, I watched her take care of her family and never work for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched her to evolve into a person that's so strong with business and logistics that she can not get out of the bed and move a 40-foot container from Russia. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's how good. But that's what when you're playing the globe, you kind of learn these things, you know. Okay. So now, you know, I walk around like an old dude on cruise control because I have planted seeds. I wish I had planted more. Okay. Um, so I have watched her. We have opened um, stores in Boca Raton, Daytona Beach, Florida, out of banks. Sometimes we'll build a store, make it beautiful, and tear it down the next month. 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, I mean, you don't have to, you can talk to us wrong, and we'll say, you know what? No walk-in allows. Invitation only. You yeah. know, well, that's because people will contaminate your contaminate your vision. And if you know that your standards is going to be a certain way, smell a certain way, look a certain way, and if anybody's going to throw a wrench into it, so you know what? Let's call this practice. So we'll build the shop, tear it down, put up the wall, take it down. We call it all practice. As a result of that, we have the pop-up suite now. We're located uh, in Short Pump in Richmond, Virginia, across the street from us. It's uh, Nordstrom's Dillard's Cheesecake Factory. I right. rent here $8,000 a month for 1,400 square feet of space, okay? You don't get here easy. Right. You don't stay easy, okay? And that image is so strong that we were able to buy a second building downtown Richmond. This is 1,400 square feet of space. Now we are going into um, 4,600 square feet of space. Yeah, we're not paying rent. We bought the building. You okay. Know. okay. So understanding that what we are creating is a system that once we get it right, we can open a hundred locations. We can open a thousand locations. Okay. But got to get it right. I know this because I opened twenty-seven um, locations in nineteen eighty-one. So right. it's not new to me. It's just a matter of of kind of uh, critiquing the the system a little bit for a different product, a different way in today's world. Right. So that's where we are. Now I have to mention one more lady. Mm-hmm. And you might know her or heard of her, but her name is Charlene Nelson. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that name? Charlene Nelson. Uh-huh. Charlene Nelson, I met her when she was 23. She was a student at West Virginia uh, State College. And I hired her as my administrative assistant. Okay. I, I trained her for three years and when I closed, when I sold that fingertips location in Silver Springs, Maryland, and, and went full-fledged with, um, for curls only, Charlene went into a for curls only location. Okay. From that one location, she opened three more locations. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's a non-hairdresser who was making 100000 more than the hairdressers. Well, when the cur when the Jerry Curl per se boom trend ended, mm-hmm. uh, Charlene connected with some friends of mine named Dennis and Gary Ratner. Mm-hmm. They own hair cuttery. Right. And I have been friends with those guys now over 45 years. Wow. Well, with the for curls only location, every time they I mean they had like twelve hundred salons. So if they had a salon that they wanted to get out of that neighborhood because it wasn't the family hair, the family haircuts they wanted, you know, uh, basically the neighborhood went too black. But uh, uh-huh. they would offer me the location, okay? uh-huh. and they would finance it for me. Yeah, okay. So I was able to pick up salons three and four and five at a time because I had people respecting me, trusting me, and they knew that I had a game plan to do something with those locations. Right. So, uh, so, but when that Jerry Curl boom uh, ended, uh, and Charlene um, connected with my friends, the Ratners, that's when they created Salon Plaza. Okay. Very few people realize how that 
salon suite thing started. It started from my protege. Okay. Mm -hmm. With Sherlene and the Ratners, they put together Salon Plaza, and that was the very first uh, group to begin to open the suite salons um, throughout America. Okay. Know? And yeah. now it's a national trend. Well, but, you know, everybody got some type of salon suite, you know. Right. right. You know. Um, I can be contacted at floorkenyatta at gmail.com, mm -hmm. uh, Kenyatta's Way. Um, I also have a network that we call ePartners. With ePartners, we actually allow people to join me as a partner, mm -hmm. and we do projects together. Uh, incredible things happen. Um, my battery is about to die, so I'm going to try to get this out pretty quick. I think we're out of time anyway. But we're good. We're good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to um, let me see if I can get some some juice here. Okay, your battery's going. Yeah, I don't want to die on you. Okay. So um, what I have found is that there are lots of opportunities here. And over the years, I find so many people that could not uh, really um, do that well with retail. Mm -hmm. And that's because they really don't understand in the, let's say in your textured hair uh, black salon industry, mm -hmm. your client might not buy that much shampoo and conditioner. Right. Okay. Right. So we're having fun here at Pop-Up because we have found that there's a new trend in retail that works well with beauty, and it's really the CBD movement. Okay. Okay, so with the health benefits of CBD, while we are able to, to really have incredible retail, and not just that, we have actually made more money during this COVID-19 movement okay. than we did before. You know, other people think it's like, you know what? Um, I mean, I'm sad about it, but still understanding how to survive right. and understand that the people that have, that suffer from insomnia and, and um, anxiety, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they need help, you know? Right. And we found with the CBD flower, uh, people in five minutes, they begin to calm down. They know that it's working, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so we are still in the retail wetline in the product game you know okay. and we are also here to help people uh, set up their own distributorship uh, mm -hmm. by getting into the market and a lot of times we are just not um, aware of the new trend and how to get involved and how to make money from it you know and everything is like resources what you know who you know can you get involved in something at the right time or that you get involved when it's too late. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a person that have favored buying a product and only double your money or make 50%. I call that a break-even product, you know? Okay. The guys I see that's really getting rich are the guys who are able to get products and get a 400 to 500% markup. When you go to all of those department stores and you're buying the designer scarves, designer, designer shoes, I mean, I know a basketball player who got $300 sneakers, but I know they cost between $9 and $12 in China. 
Okay. Um, you see what I mean? Right. Millionaire. Millionaire. Okay. And most of your designers, I tell people quite often, I said, listen, you want to be, um, you want that Louis Vuitton kind of money. <laughs> you know? So if you have a chance to, to go after that, I think you can really um, be successful and, and, and reach your goals in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've definitely given us a lot to, uh, <laughs> to digest. I, I told you guys to, you know, like fasten your seatbelts before this because <laughs> we need to go back through and like rewatch and rewatch and rewatch just to get yes, all yes, of the yes. different things yes, yes, shared yes. with us. So um, I thank everybody for being here. It's like this has been phenomenal. It's like we have tons of, of comments and I like to try to show show some um, as we go. Um, um, this is Chloe Roberson Dixon. Love sitting at your feet. Um, Reginald Mitchell was here. Um, we had stopped by and blessed us. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. And um, let's see here. We've got a hello Floyd from Thomas St. Jacques. And um, let's see what else we've got. Oh, okay. Someone was saying um, she remembered reading about uh, Toussaint, mm. about Pierre Toussaint. So we've got a we've got some homework to do, definitely, yes, yes, to yes. find out more about him. Great, great, great. Are there? Um, and Larry Stevens here. What a treat! Two legends in the game. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Um, Jacqueline Jackson Douglas here says awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Asia wants to know why you didn't open a school. <laughs> <laughs> JD says, this is so good. Yeah. Like we have so many people. It's like, I'm trying to get everybody on if I can, but um, yeah, it's like, here we go with uh fingertips salon. <laughs> Silver Spring, Maryland on Thayer Avenue. <laughs> yes, wow. Wow. Yeah. If you, you guys that are on Facebook, if you um, look where this is, Set up from at the bottom, it'll say you can put in your name if you want your name to show. Mm -hmm. So we can say hi to you because I see all these different comments, but they're just coming in as Facebook. Um, yeah. Um, and hi, Asia. <laughs> so we've got so many um, folks that we have been on tonight. So thank you all for joining us. We've got more folks on YouTube and and we're um, just, I don't know, I'm still like, oh. <laughs> there's so many things. And that I want to ask um, yeah. another couple hours worth of question asking. <laughs> yeah. But okay. um, before you before you go, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I can hear yes. you. Oh, okay. Um, I do want to give a shout out and thank Aubrey Holly. Um, okay. Yeah, for um, helping me with, um, with with trying to structure a lot of things that I've been working on. Aubrey is actually. Um, for a hairdresser, he should be a chemist because okay. the guy, um, he have really inspired me a lot in understanding a lot of new technology today. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Aubrey Holly. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like you say, we can't do it alone. It's like we have to have the team. We have to have the people that are, you know, cheering us on, supporting. Okay. Now, make um, mm -hmm. one more thing. I got time. I have a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I really didn't touch base enough on Robert Cromans. Okay. Uh -huh. A lot of people know Robert Cromans. Right. Um, 
but Robert was the hairdresser assistant to Jean Bra during uh -huh. our stage years. Okay. I, he was so full of energy and we were doing a show and I saw Robert and I said, you know, Robert, we want to stage about 3,000 people. And I told the audience, I said, see this young man? He's going to be the next beat out session. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, everybody thought I was just talking smack, you know. So <laughs> Robert, after the show, Robert said, uh, Mr. K, you, um, you really, you really believe? He said, you really, were you messing with me? What? What are you talking about? I'll be the next beat out session. Oh, I said, absolutely. I said, absolutely. And man, he began to follow me everywhere around because nobody knew him then. And I'm like, do you mind backing off a little bit? People are going to think, <laughs> think you, we sweet on each other. Don't stand so close, okay? <laughs> so, so Robert, um, he just stayed right there because he was thirsty for it. Right. And when, Matt, when Circus Circus Development built Mandalay Bay, uh -huh. 18 months before, they called me and say, Mr. Kenyatta, we want to have the best salon in Vegas, and we heard that we want a Paul Mitchell salon. We believe you're the guy who can make it happen. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know who told you that, but sounds good. You're going to fly <laughs> me there first class, give me the presidential suite. Yeah, I'm the man. You know, so I went <laughs> in. Okay, Nikki, they gave me a build-out allowance of $290,000. Right. That was another point of my life that opened my eyes to realize that some people out there want things to be a win-win. Mm -hmm. If you are trying to go in business, do something with a loser or somebody <laughs> who is one-sided, you need to reevaluate who you're trying to connect with. When mm. two people have a desire for the same thing, whether it's dating, marriage, or business, it's the same yeah. thing having the same goal in mind to try to reach that goal, okay? Um, Floyd Kenyatta put Robert Cromans in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I got the lease, got the money, I put him there. Robert was the best candidate in the world, in my <laughs> eyes, to be in that Las Vegas spot. I don't want to do hair in Vegas. I'm a deal maker, you know? Yeah. So when I put Robert um, in Vegas, um, we did a partnership. He wanted his name on the salon. I don't care. At my age, just give me my check, okay? So um, we we did the deal. The first month we were open, we made 85000 our first month. We wow. did $1.5 million our first year, okay? Um, I was actually able to go to Beverly Hills and pay cash for my Cornish Rose Ross. I'm talking about a 115,000 cash. Okay. God, God is good. Okay. <laughs> He's good, you know, and plant by understanding this hair game and the, and the image and mm -hmm. the marketing, it, it's not guess. It's not luck. It's not luck. You, you know, you have to invest money in yourself. You need to, um, to, to, to know that you have to budget for education, for your wardrobe, all of those things you have to invest in order to get to that next level, okay? So I just wanted to um, to mention that and give a shout out to um, to Robert. Um, yes. He did an incredible job as long as he could. And um, fr from that, 
from that move, he actually became artistic director for Paul Mitchell. Oh, from yeah. that, he ended up getting a beauty school, two schools, three schools, you know, and, okay. you know, it's, it, it began to snowball. Right, so, right. So, yeah. thanks again. Thanks again. Just had to get yeah. that out. Well, okay. before you before you leave us, it's yeah. like, tell us, like, what, what, um, allowed you to see this bigger picture, you know, this global landscape of this industry? You know, you what know, was it in you? What was it experience wise? You told us a few seeds that were planted, but how yeah. do we get that? Um, or is it gettable? You know? <laughs> no, no. Well, first of all, I, um, I believe, and I'm telling you, I have my, I have this on charge, but still I die. I believe that he who flies highest sees fathers. Mm. Okay. If you know anything about me, every month I'm in a different country, a different part of the world, and I understand what's new and trend and everything before it happens. You cannot sit on your butt in America, go to a seminar, and come back and think you're fresh in the game. By the time you learn something that yeah. you think is fresh, another 100,000 people have learned the same thing. Okay. Um, right. Even when I discovered the flat iron, um, I discovered the mm -hmm. flat iron 15 years before it came. No, let me back up. It was out 15 years in Italy before I bought it to America. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I yep. bought it to America, it, there was no flat irons. You know, I bought in one, next order was 25, the next one was 100. Next thing I know, I had did 5,000 flat irons. The next thing, Vidal Sassoon, um, Hardcore, um, TG. I was able to produce it with their logo on it. Vivian McKender, her logo on it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, Frederick Bakai had my flat iron, but I get I didn't give chance people a chance to hate me because I didn't tell them it was Floyd Kenyatta for the first right. three years. Okay, yeah. so sometimes you have to understand there are haters, and right. especially in our culture. Okay, yeah. um, but just keep your mouth shut. Stay focused on making your money. And after mm -hmm. you have made it, you want to let people know you own it? You can, but not too soon. <laughs> okay? So sometimes you don't want to say too much too fast. <laughs> That's it. Love it. Love it. That is gold. Yeah. That is gold. Yeah. yeah. And you were touching on the retail thing. It's like we're mm -hmm. we're gearing up for next month. Um, yeah. It's going to be called winning the, winning the retail game because uh -huh. I think really cosmetology the new cosmetology is retail it's like we've got to yeah. step up that oh, game ab absolutely 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 yeah. you know gotta learn how to be more professional customer service the retail the packaging it's got to be impeccable got to be you right know? and i you know we take great pride in our packaging yes yeah and and definitely i mean just from a standpoint of hairstylists it's like we've had training all these years but we're still not doing you know retail to the level that we could be doing it and i think we saw when we had the lockdown and everything with uh, the virus that you know we've got to be able to shift we need to have some other skill sets and we need to have some other um, products when we can't do services that the products can start can continue to generate that income Great. So, yeah, I'm excited about that month. So we've got um, Stephanie Luster's coming with with Naked. You guys know the Naked product oh, line. One of the few yeah. black manufacturers that's around. Um, we have um, Thomas 
Fawcett at the end of the month. He's got a new book coming out called Shut Up and Sell. So he's going to teach <laughs> us how to sell. We've got the retail boss, Keena Merriweather. She's going to join us. And I think we will be going through, you know, retail as the new cosmetology. And then we've got Jane Carter uh, coming to tell us kind of the, I don't know if you want to say the dirty little secrets of retail yeah, yeah, yeah. behind the scenes. So any of you guys who have lines or want to have lines of your own and get them out there on a, you know, on a national level, global level or what have you, she'll share some things that you need to know. And if you want to start your own brand, we'll help you with that too. So we've got some good stuff coming up next month. All so, right. Yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday at 7 p.m. I mm -hmm. um, hope you guys will join us, spread the word. Um, like I said, rewatch this thing uh, <laughs> a couple times. I, I know I'm going to go back and take some notes. I wasn't mm -hmm. able to take as much as I would like um, just because I'm here tonight with you. But uh, I'm so grateful that you were able to join us and to share, you know, so generously with everything that you've learned through the industry. It's like, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very um, grateful for you to be in here. It's like we've got, um, wow, so many things here. We've got, um, I'm going to show a few more before we end out today. Um, shout out to FK Aubrey's there. Okay. Awesome platform and good uh, information. We have an amazing, don't know who that's from, <laughs> and uh, Black Beauty Culture of Nova Scotia. God is great. He's been great to you. Barbara Edmonds is here saying oh, hello. hello <laughs> and Chuck Capel. It's like oh. uh, he's in Richmond, so he said he got to come holla at you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes, be yes. Before before we know it, you'll be somewhere else. So it's like, you better yeah. be quick. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay. well, listen, yeah. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm going to lose you for some reason. I can't okay. charge as fast, so I'm down the road. Okay. So thank you yeah. for having me. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. You're a true okay. superstar. We appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. And um, join me because I'm going to start a new series. Like Floyd said, anybody that's really ready to take it to the next level, uh, I'm going to be doing something on YouTube that is uh, reinventing your, your salon biz for 2020. And it'll be free. Uh, for you to get some goodies and we will look forward to seeing you then. So stay tuned. Um, if you're not already um, on beautysuperstars.com um, to go on there, get on the email list so I can get you the information so you won't miss anything. And we will see you back hopefully next week. And um, podcast is coming soon. So be um, on the lookout for that because um, we want you to be able to take all this great information and listen while you're working, while you're um, well, maybe not while you're working, maybe you need to pay attention to your clients, but um, if you have any downtime at work, if you have a commute, if you are washing dishes, making dinner, all those kind of good things are great times to listen to podcasts and really let this stuff marinate in with you. So I will keep you posted on that. I hope you have a fabulous evening. Thank you so much for joining us live and thank you for watching if you are watching us on the replay. So take great care. It's Mickey Wright. Um, Check out beautysuperstars.com and we'll